Bonjour and welcome to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John. Henry. John. You best not make any more threats to the podcast. What do you mean threats to the podcast? What threat did I do? They will be met with fire and fury and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. You know, I was going to talk about we have a president that gives speeches like he's in Game of Thrones, but I, that was a, probably a, a better way to do it. You know, he, he doesn't necessarily give speeches like he's in Game of Thrones. He gives speeches like he's in a game of Password. Password as in like the old game from the old game show where you, you couldn't say... Like, you had to get your partner to guess the word. Like, there are so many gaps in his vocabulary that he's just trying to, like, work around words that he doesn't remember or know. Yeah, yeah. But but, but no, just the, the fire and fury is just like, alright, we get it. You watch Game of Thrones too. We all do. You can't, you can't say these things in real life, though. Oh, man. You what? know what that reminds me of, Henry? What does that remind you of, John? That reminds me of our first segment of the episode. What's our first segment of the episode, Jonathan? Our time-tested, our time-tested, uh, segment. What's up with Game of Thrones? What's up with Game of Thrones, Johnson? Season 1. No spoilers. I am in Season 1. Episode 9, I believe. Oh, you're almost, you're, you're getting to the end of the season. Yeah, these are 10 episode seasons. Yes, all the way up until season seven. So here's a question that I have to ask. All right, here comes our question for this week. If we are doing a What's Up on Game of Thrones segment, are spoilers allowed? Are spoilers allowed for season one? Yes, only for what I have seen. Soon it will be spoilers for season two. Look, I don't know. There are people who still haven't seen... Who still don't watch the show. I, I don't know how many people fall into that category in our listenership. We might just have to talk around it. I would say we need to act like our president and pretend like we've forgotten certain words. Okay. Uh, you know, I read the books. I also read the books. Well, I read the first four books. I didn't read Dance with Dragons or A Wonderful Wintertime. <laughs> uh, A Wonderful Wintertime hasn't come out yet. Oh, good. Then that's why I haven't read it. Yeah, same. So uh, I haven't. I've read the first four, and okay. now correct me if I'm wrong. Season one is pretty much the first book, if I'm not mistaken. You are absolutely correct. Okay, man, I saw that when it came out. Saw what when it came out? Uh, the first season of Game of Thrones. I watched the whole thing, and that was, what, six years ago now? Uh, yes, that would have been six years ago to the day. I, uh, man, brutal. <laughs> man, what's your question, though? Oh, my question was, should we have spoilers? That was my, that was my question. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was a question about something that happened, my bad. Oh, I can't have a question about something that happened, because that'll be... Sp- Okay, here's a here's a question. Alright. Is magic real? <laughs> Is magic real? Is magic real? 
All right, so here's the thing about the Game of Thrones world, John. Uh, magic used to exist a long, long time ago, but has since fallen into a state of decay. Mm-hmm. With an event that happens toward the end of book one, magic gradually starts becoming more and more prevalent in the world, at least in the books. Because the books do uh, a pretty admirable job of saying... Of of stating, we don't know if this is magic or not. There's reasonable doubt. Yeah, that pretty much the the uh, in the world of Game of Thrones at the very beginning of the first book, magic is sort of like a myth or something that people talk about but discredit. Like no one really believes that you can do magic, but then certain events start happening. And gradually, magic gets a stronger hold in the in the real world. So, was she like a real witch? Uh, which one? <laughs> Who? The uh, the you know the whole Khal Drogo thing? Oh yes. Okay, yeah. Um, the answer to your question is yes. Okay, so yes, she is she she is a witch. She is a witch. She is a real witch. She she learned practices from a a, a far far east place called a shy, mm-hmm. which is like the last bastion of magic. A lot of a lot of the magic that you see in Game of Thrones comes from a shy. Okay, so she's real. She's real. It's a real thing. That's it. That, that, when I first read it, I had my doubts too, but I I think it's been confirmed at this point that it is real. Okay, boy, this segment is either gonna have to change significantly or come at the very end of the podcast because it's gonna be tough to talk without spoiling things. Yeah, I mean, you're you're six years isn't a long. I, I don't feel like that's a. Uh... Long enough to just drop spoilers, you know? I, I don't know what the time period is, but... I mean, it's not like Fair, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We can spoil the hell out of that. Oh, wait. Actually, I can I can check the spoiler codex to see what the... What spoiler uh, embargo just got lifted. So, let's see. Let's go back and see when the last... Jurassic Park. Wait, the, the first Jurassic Park movie? The first Jurassic Park just came out of spoiler embargo, so you can spoil anything about Jurassic Park you want to. So we can reveal that the entire time, the dinosaurs were, in, were, were inside the house. Don't fuck around, Henry. The spoiler codex is serious. I'm not fucking around. They caught the, the dinosaurs are on the phone, and then it turns out that they were in the house the entire time. Well, I don't know, because I haven't seen it. You haven't seen Jurassic Park? Well, I guess I can't be mad about the spoilers now. Well, yeah, because the embargo was just lifted, so nah, nah. And if you get mad about spoilers after the embargo's been lifted, straight to prison. Wait, so does that mean, like, the spoiler embargo is 14 years? Uh, the first, uh, the first Jurassic Park came out way longer than 14 years ago. What? No, it was 1993. Yeah, so 23 years. Holy shit. I mean, 24 years. <laughs> Holy shit, John. <laughs> yeah, almost 30 years. 10 years ago was 2007. Yeah. Almost Holy shit. 30 years. Oh, no, John. 
Oh, God. I'm turning 27 this year. Hey, Henry, you know what's funny? What's up, John? I talked to pretty much... No, I talked to a legal adult. A legal adult human who was born in 1999. You're... joking. No, 18. 1999. 1999? That's when I was... I was... That was eight... That was eight years ago. No, it was 18 whole years ago. Oh, John, when did we get so old? It happened overnight. Uh, you know who's not going to get old? Who? Somebody in Game of Thrones, no spoilers. Oh, shit, you know who's definitely not going to get old? Who? Dennis Nedry. Who's Dennis Nedry? He's the guy that Newman played in uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, right, because it turns out that acid spit on your face kills you. No, he's killed by a dinosaur. Henry. Wait, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> oh my god, I was so tuned into the idea that you were just going to do another goof. I'm sorry, but no, that one was, he gets acid spit on his face from the little uh, weird spitter thing. Yeah, it's much grosser in the books, much like Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I, Game of Thrones is a lot grosser in the book. Except when it comes from for, like, Danny's wedding night. Is it? According to... I mean, she liked it. True. I mean, I think that uh, one thing that I definitely appreciate that the show does is everyone's about five years older than they are in the books. <laughs> That's a really great point because, yeah, a lot of a lot of the things happening in the books are, are time period appropriate, which is in no way appropriate for any any other time. I mean, I I read the books and I remember thinking at one point during book three, I think I'm like, dude, Bran's like six. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 leads a very unfortunate life. He does. He he really does. But yeah, Game of Thrones is a it's a show for sure. It's definitely a show, and it it actually had a pretty exciting episode this past week. Oh, so I when, heard. Yeah, when, when you catch up, you'll finally be able to see what all the hype was about. Can we talk about something? We can talk about anything, John. This is a show where we talk about things. I just want to make it abundantly clear to any journalists in the audience. That... No matter how cute you think you're being... By not technically spoiling something when you write an article about it, you're still spoiling it. Yes, no, the, like seriously, the 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 weird amount of spoilerific articles that come out the day after the thing airs that needs to stop. It makes it makes it essentially meaningless to try to to catch up if you didn't watch it the night it aired. Because here's a newsflash for you: if you put an article. On a major publication, and you say, major Game of Thrones characters' fate is uncertain, and you just put a picture of them? Yeah. It did not help that you did not specify in the article name. So, so, <laughs> so yeah, they're being really obvious about it, and it's one of those things where the their fate is uncertain, and a show that where, where people are regularly killed off. So, like, it's like, wait, what are you trying to say here? Mm -hmm. They're going to continue living? I, I just... 
it's really dumb. It's happened to me on Walking Dead. It happened on... Thank God I kept up with Breaking Bad, but Breaking Bad had this shit happening to it all the time, too. It happens with Game of Thrones every season. Like, you know, the big thing in Game of Thrones that everyone was upset about when it happened, everyone knew what the twist was, whether they watched it or not, or cared or not. Yeah, It's, it's astounding to me, because we live in an age of on-demand entertainment, Meaning, not everyone is experiencing things at the same time. We're not. We're no longer bound to the air times of certain programs or, or or anything like that. You can DVR stuff. Everything's on demand. You can experience things at your own pace. But the only thing that doesn't reflect that is the bullshit media surrounding everything. I feel like there was a there was a middle point because if you go back and you watch news coverage of the finale of season one of Twin Peaks. Yeah. There is network news coverage just showing you the ending of the first season. Wait, what? That actually happened? Yeah, there there are multiple news broadcasts where they say, you know, oh, this happened on Twin Peaks and everyone's upset. And then they just show you the thing happening. And there's no concept of spoilers. No, You know, and I think from that was birthed the idea that we as a people have an aversion to spoilers. And then like in the early 2000s, I felt like we were in a good place. Yeah, because people didn't effing spoil things. I feel like things got spoiled, and when they did, it was a big deal. But, like, now it is a culture of just spoiling shit. Which is, and it's just to prove that you watched it. It's like, oh yeah, I knew that before I read this, this bullshit media article or whatever. No, shut up. Don't ruin other people's experiences. And I mean, for me personally, spoilers have never affected my enjoyment of television that much. But it's still, it's it's like, it's without permission. It's like you're giving, you're giving too much knowledge about, uh, about something that we're supposed to experience through just watching it. It's, I don't know, it's just, I don't like it. And I mean, even though I, I say that spoilers never change my feelings about a show too much, that's that's true, but there are some people for whom spoilers legitimately ruin their experience, and if you're like a, I think they call them Game of Thronesers, <laughs> uh, if, yes, if, if, you're, uh, if you're Garden Variety Game of Throneser, and you just have that spoiled for you, and somehow you hadn't had anything spoiled up until that point, that show is significantly diminished in your eyes. Because it's, it's a game of twists and turns. And but thrones. Not, uh, oh, God damn it. You're right, it's, it's, it's of thrones. It's a show of twists and turns, but it's not twists like, oh my gosh, you know, they were living in a dream the entire time. It's like, oh wait, the person you thought was helping them was actually plotting their demise you know it's like it, it's the twists are clever and well hinted and stuff like that so it, it's like you can figure out some things but knowing the twist kind of diminishes what happens overall yeah i think that could be true for almost any medium is spoilers are just garbage behavior and just because you're trying to clicks on your website doesn't mean you should ruin it cnn 
It was CNN? I was thinking we were talking about BuzzFeed. No, CNN is constantly just spoiling stuff. CNN has really terrible media coverage. Because they, Why the hell? They make these articles and they're like, oh, Game of Thrones characters, Faye is uncertain, picture of the character. They just spoil it in a one-paragraph article with a slideshow. Why the hell is CNN writing about Game of Thrones? Shouldn't they be covering the world? It's because every media outlet has like a... Every media outlet has like a media division and a tech division and a money uh, division and a finance division and a I thought we shoes were talking division. About BuzzFeed. Did BuzzFeed just spoil it? Not, well, they have in the past, but usually usually I'm caught up on everything. I would imagine that BuzzFeed would spoil things much as they've spoiled journalism. <laughs> That's a good joke. Oh, boom. But but it's like Okay, so so I'm I I keep caught up on everything because I feel this weird pressure to because, you know, news conglomerates are going to publish spoilers. My friends are all going to publish not what they don't think is spoilers, but, you know, who who they want to prove to everyone else that, oh, look, I also watched the thing. Mm-hmm. So I can't believe, I can't believe the last five seconds of Game of Thrones. So, oh, thanks. So now, now I know something big is going to happen in the last five seconds. So it's this weird social pressure to keep current with everything, regardless of if I want to or not. Yeah, it's all just like a dick measuring contest to show how current and tuned in you are. And that's not what the zeitgeist is about. The zeitgeist is about things that pervade over time. The zeitgeist is not, I watched last night's episode. Yeah, and I, I people should just be free to enjoy things at their own pace and not have to worry about this weird landmine of narrative ruiners. It's it just it makes me sad, and that's why I don't watch a lot of things. Is because the the the. If I can reduce my exposure to the potential of being spoiled on something, then I'm going to go ahead and do that. And so, sorry, Walking Dead. I don't care. Because See, that's, that's what I gotta... we should all do, right? Just cut off our internet, just buy things on DVD, watch the whole season cut off from society, and then rejoin. Yeah, and, and then ask, like, where can I go to talk about season five of living with... Uh, the Joneses. Hey, have you guys seen season three of Twenty Four? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you know, I actually have seen. We actually have a mutual friend that that the top status will be. I'm you know I want to talk about blank. So for anyone who doesn't want to get spoiled, stop reading, and my co- my further thoughts will be below in the comments and then so it's like you she she doesn't put any spoilers in the top thing all the spoilers goes into the bottom and so then you don't even see anything that is the most conscientious friend i have about spoilers and i appreciate it yeah she's really great about it and they she has really great discussions with the people that actually comment and uh, i spoiled i spoiled myself on something on one of those statuses but that was my fuck up yeah, because she does warn you. It's at the top of the thingy. Yeah, it's like, you you walk into the DMZ, you're going to get burned. Yeah, because everyone knows the DMZ stands for, that's hot. 
Hold on. <laughs> What's up, John? Where's the H in there? You know. <laughs> D D H M Z. <laughs> Dums. I couldn't think of words that fit what I wanted to say in the letters, so sue me, okay? Uh, hey. What's up, John? I have another segment. What? <laughs> How many segments you got in that bag of tricks? I have this segment's real quick. Alright, really quick segment with John. This segment's called Places John Has Been and Doesn't Like. Alright, where where did you go, John? This segment's star is the, the Hard Rock Casino. <laughs> didn't like it. Oh, the Hard Rock Casino? Yeah, didn't like it. Well, you don't like casinos to begin with. Oh, so I hate it. <laughs> it has one strike against it. Is the Hard Rock Casino as depressing as the other casinos we've been to? Uh, slightly less, because it's, well, eh. Okay, actually... I'm I'm okay with the Hard Rock Casino because I just remembered that they have a Ben and Jerry's store there where they can like make you scoops of their vegan ice cream, so I'm okay with it. That's really cool. Oh, they also served me a cappuccino with booze in it, and they were really generous with drinks. You know what? I have a new segment, Henry. All right. Is it a really quick segment? It's a really quick segment called Places John Has Reconsidered for Places That He Likes. A really quick segment with John about places that he's considered that he really likes. It's the Hard Rock Casino. Good looking out. All right. You know, I learned something about casinos, John. Oh. I I learned that they do not want people to succumb to gambling addiction. Really? They actually take active steps in identifying people with problems and trying to get them help. Well, that's cool. You want to know why? Uh, why? Because it's good for business. Uh. If they have people who lose everything at their casino, the people who lose everything at their casino, they're going to tell people that, hey, I lost everything at this casino, and that's not good PR. It, you know, casinos are fascinating to me when you think about things like that, because they have to have some kind of control in place to say, we can give out you know, X amount of money on an annual basis, and based on our projections, we can recoup that and grow. Yeah, no, I, it's all it's all weighted math. You know, it's not really odds. They they kind of control when they can, when somebody wins, and like their their budget accounts for it. It's all very very particular math, and it's all really like clinical because the place I was at. Every time someone would win a jackpot on one of the video uh, slots or video poker machines, it would, I guess, send a signal to the PA system to say, hey, we just got a jackpot winner at the Hard Rock Casino, and they won X amount of money. Congratulations. That's cool. And you heard this like a dozen times while you were in there, so you're like, maybe I can win. Yeah, it's reinforcing the idea that anyone can win, but in reality, like they control to to a degree because it's you know it's weighted odds. It's it's not a hundred percent odds, so they they bank against so many winners and they have they make a profit. They they never lose money. This is the only time that I've gone to a casino and not made a profit though, so I'm mad. 
Well, it, because your beginner's luck is beginning to run out. No, my beginner's luck, my sweet intangible nonsense. Yeah, sweet intangible nonsense is the only way to really pull one over the old uh, the old casino there. I, I guess I need to I guess I need to get baptized so I can be a beginner again. Yeah, yeah, you, you have to become a born again Christian, and then you get a whole new run of luck at casinos. Okay, sweet. How do I do that? Well, you become a born-again Christian. I don't know. That's that's a thing. Do I have to, like, not do it for seven years? What? Do what? It. Oh, I have no idea. Mmm, I'll have to look into that. No, I, I, I honestly don't know anything about born-again Christians, other than it's a very popular device in, like, media and stuff. It's like, oh, the, this character suddenly found religion again, and this is the way they did it. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm I'm on the... Wait. I'm uh, I'm on the Wikipedia page for Born Again Christians. Is this... Okay, what, what does it say? Uh, it says... Okay, so it's pretty much exactly what I thought. Uh, to become a Born Again Christian... Hold on, I have to scroll down. Is that uh, a fidget spinner? To, uh, to become a... No. To become a, a Born Again Christian... You can't you can't do it for seven years. Wow, it says it says that verbatim. Oh wait, hold on. Doing it is a is a hyperlink, and I can click on it, and <laughs> it'll take me to the to the Wikipedia entry for doing it. Let me let me check. Nice. <laughs> what does it say, John? It just says nice. Oh, okay, nice. Man, Wikipedia, right? Yeah, it's a great, valuable resource, but always check your sources. Oh, there's a there's a citation on this nice. Oh, what does it say? I clicked on it. It's a picture of a drawing of a boner. Less nice. Wait, hold on. It's oh, the rabbit hole gets deeper. I can actually click on the picture of a boner, and it gets larger. And it's no, it's it's Unix code. It's a Unix system. I know this. Jurassic Park. Henry, quick, quiz! Well, okay, what's the quiz? Off the top of your head, hum the Game of Thrones theme. <laughs> Because whenever I try to do it, it uh, is not the Game of Thrones music, which it kind of ruins this hilarious joke I've got going. Whenever anything, like, not cool happens in the show, I like to loudly hum the theme to annoy my girlfriend. <laughs> like, it's just two people talking. And uh, 99% of the time, I just go, da na 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 <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, that's it? Just da 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 I'm trying to remember what... Because it's almost always the fucking Pirates of the Caribbean music. That's it. That's, that's the one that I do, and I don't know why. Well, I, there, there are parts that get really close to it, but I don't know. It's a good theme. Does that little introductory animation change every time? It, it yes, in the early seasons, it changes based on where we're gonna go in the episode. Because when they went to cross the twins, I noticed the twins were on there, and I didn't remember. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, it, it 
when when characters are all over the place, all over the map, uh, the intro shows you who, or it gives you a hint about who we're going to be following. Man, this sucks, because we probably have to get moving with the podcast, but I had a relatively interesting thought about Game of Thrones when I was watching it last night, but we don't have to talk about it. You can't introduce an interesting thought and then we not tell us what it is. Okay, so anyone who's watched the show or read the books, I think it's extremely interesting that this show, I mean, the first season is is a product of its own, and the first book is a product of its own, but everything that falls out of that is almost entirely directly related to an act of cruelty and selfishness that was completely unnecessary and no one wanted to happen. Yeah. And every, almost every really awful thing that happens after that point can be tracked back to that thing happening. Yeah, it, yes, the the horrible thing you're talking about is the catalyst for the rest of the series. And it's it's the one I mean at at that point in the series and it's arguably in the entire series, the one completely like totally despicable unjust act that takes place in like a huge public political setting. Yeah. So it's, well, one political mistake results in everything. Yeah, one, what is effectively to the person who perpetrates it, like, just a bureaucratic choice and a, and a dramatic choice changes everything, ruins people's lives, throws everything into chaos. Yeah, all for the sake of vanity. It's good writing. It's great writing. Look at that germ. Look at that grim. Anyway. Anyway, John, speaking of music... Bah! I have a segment for you, John. What is it? The likes of which you've never seen. That's not to answer your question. I was still describing the segment. Okay, that's fine. Uh, John, I stumbled upon in my travels a very, very deep-rooted conspiracy. Ooh, a conspiracy? I have, I have uncovered a cabal... In the music industry, John. Tell me. And when I say I, I mean Reddit user Ramsey's the Pigeon. Oh, so you? No, it's not me. <laughs> it's not me at all. But John, in this, uh, let me preface this like uh, Anderson Cooper does some of his reports. So, John, we live in a very confusing time where. Where presidents speak like they're straight out of a Game of Thrones novel. Fire and fury. Exactly. And, uh, you know, other things are happening. I had more for this, but I've forgotten all of it by now. Uh, But what if I told you that certain people or a certain person by the name of Benny Blanco was engineering pop songs to nefarious purpose? Uh, This sounds very interesting. Let me start off by telling you uh, about the song TikTok as performed by Kesha. TikTok on the clock, DJ, that's the record on tonight. Sorry, yes. I, I, I had an episode. <laughs> you went into a fugue state and became pop star Kesha. It happens. It's uh, You ever seen an American Werewolf in London? It's similar. It's similar to that. All right, now... TikTok performed by Kesha was written by Benny Blanco. 
But okay, I guess nothing nothing bad has happened yet. Yeah, this uh, really is. A, you you can't really like. A, that's like you laying down the first piece of a jigsaw puzzle and being like, "See, that that, that was a miscalculated break for response." I can't, I can't stop laughing. All right, what? All right, let me get to my point. <laughs> anyway, yes. Uh, the song TikTok by Kesha, written by... <laughs> oh, written by Benny Blanco. What? <laughs> Calm down. No, yes, okay, fine. <laughs> Just this, this revelation is... Whew. Stop it. I can't stop laughing. All right. <laughs> it's it's lyrics include the line we kick them to the curb unless they look like Mick Jagger. Yeah. Mick Jagger wasn't exactly at the height of his attractiveness when this piece in question came out. So why would this line pop up, John? Yeah, he looks like a zombie. He does look like a zombie. Now, here's the weird part. Maroon Five, not Maroon. Yeah, Maroon Five has this has this little song that you might you might know about. Uh, moves like Jagger. Oh, moves like Jagger. It was released around the same time, and Benny Blanco also had a hand in writing that okay, song. Okay, it builds. All right, here's where it gets weird. The song "The Time," dirty bit as performed by the Black Eyed Peas, features the following phrase, All these girls, they like my swagger, they calling me Mick Jagger, I be rolling like a stone. Uh Uh-huh. This song was written by John DiNicola. Oh, well that's, I mean, conspiracy theory ruined. Who used to produce the music for a band called Kara's Flowers. Uh Uh-huh. Although you might know them better by their current name of Maroon 5. What? It gets deeper, John. The song Heart and Soul, as performed by the Jonas Brothers, contains a verse that ends with making mistakes, but that won't matter if you can swag like old Mick Jagger. Oh my god. Antonia Armato wrote this piece. And she is managed by Downtown Music Publishing. Mm-hmm. Care to guess who else they manage? Maroon 5? Maroon 5. So all of these pieces are connected uh-huh. by Mick all Jagger. By Mick Jagger. There must be something that goes with this. And each time one of these songs was released, if you look at the Google Trends for Mick Jagger, each time one of these songs released... His popularity spiked. Uh Uh-huh. So, is there a secret cabal of artists trying to artificially inflate the performer's appeal and popularity? I, uh... Does this conspiracy theory go much deeper? Because I have one of my own. It goes deeper, John. Oh, God. There is a company called Vivendi. Oh, Vivendi Entertainment. This company owns a lot of things, which include Dailymotion, Ubisoft, Gameloft, and the Universal Music Group. 
Whoa, that last one's pretty substantial. Yeah. The Rolling Stones signed to the Universal Music Group in 2008. Mm-hmm. In 2010, all of the songs I've been talking about were released. So if we go back and look at the Google Trends, 2008 was Mick Jagger's lowest ever dip in popularity, and the slump continued until February of 2010. When they gave right him that bump. When TikTok became the most popular song on the radio. Mm. And September of 2010, the same year as TikTok, the Rolling Stones re-released their rare concert movie, securing the number one spot on four different countries' charts, the U.S. and U.K. being two of them. Mm-hmm. So, it's all connected, right? So, music being used as covert advertising to sell more music. Exactly. Exactly. And you'd have to assume that uh, the Universal Music Group and and Vivendi, by extension, would be interested in... Because, you know, if if you're producing good music, that'll continue to sell. But if you can produce... uh, Well, good music. If you're producing music that's catchy and continues to sell, there's nothing to be lost by trying to do some little like end around and get a legacy item like the rolling stones in there too because then you're selling these new records and you're selling records that are waning in popularity you're getting it from both ends exactly like it since these this this music group can like they they manage all of these different groups it would stand to reason that they would like kind of man try to engineer their their more popular groups to promote their less popular groups but they're doing it in a very subtle almost like subliminal way but not subliminal because they're straight up saying Mick Jagger you know I was thinking about it as you were saying and I remember there being a period of time about seven years ago where I was yeah. thinking man there's a lot of mentions of Mick Jagger or like I was just thinking about Mick Jagger every once in a while being like huh Mick Jagger yeah, and, and, like, the thing is, like, I guess it's fortunate that his name rhymes with so many things, because if you think about Mick Jagger today, he doesn't really got the moves anymore, does he? Yeah, he doesn't, he looks like garbage, he doesn't have the moves, he doesn't have the swagger. Yeah. Uh, and, like, a weird thing is we might be witnessing another, another, tr- like, example of this with Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, what? There are two songs that in recent history that m- mention Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Uptown Funk Uptown and Riptide. Funk. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, by uh, Vance Joy. Oh, man. you got to imagine that if you have artists whose names don't rhyme with a lot of stuff, that it must be annoying. <laughs> it must be near impossible, but I, I can't wait to see see that, you know, happen. Like, wait, whose name doesn't rhyme with anything? Um, Bjork. <laughs> yeah, when, when Bjork needs that popularity bump, we'll see. Uh, we'll see that pop up in a bunch of songs. Yeah, when when Bjork becomes the most famous artist, sitting down to dinner and I'm picking up my fork, gonna eat this chicken just like I was Bjork. Wait a second. What if it's already happened? What if we're all misunderstanding? That one song, and it's it's Bjork, 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 Bjork. Oh, you mean work? Jesus Christ. Not work, 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 work. 
You know that song that's really popular right now? Uh, what song's really popular right now? Ed Sheeran's Shape of Bjork. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> I- I'm in love with the Shape of Bjork. Yeah, my bedsheets smell like Bjork. <laughs> I, th- I think we're Bjorking something new. <laughs> you know what? Uh, what is another possible explanation? What's another possible explanation, John? Uh, that... Mick Jagger is some kind of revenant, and his popularity is the only thing that keeps him alive, so that every once in a while, they need to give him, like, a popularity spike to keep him on this earthly plane. Oh, so kind of like, uh, spoilers for a series that's really big right now. Oh, is it... Is it Game of Thrones? (laughs) No, it's not Game of Thrones, it's on a different network, I can't talk about it. Oh, let's see... Let me think about it. Let me try to tease this spoiler out. Wait, I can't confirm or deny it, though, John. Oh, you mean the revenants on The Walking Dead? Yeah, the revenants on The Walking Dead. How they get their power from people believing in them. Yeah. Is that... That was God's whole deal in Preacher, right? Oh, I, d- I never watched Preacher. Oh, neither did I. I read the comics. It was a comic book? Yeah, it was a comic book first. A comic book that I loved as a teenager, and then as an adult, read and hated. Well, well, maybe Mick Jagger is some type of weird attention fungus demon thing that needs people to pay attention to him in order for his popularity to skyrocket and for him to uh, thrive as a, as a, a mortal being in our plane. I think that's a solid theory. Maybe he's got the same thing as, uh, what is that guy's name? Ozzy Osbourne. Oh. You know how Ozzy Osbourne had that reality show and then he it was revealed that he was immortal? Yeah, on the reality show. And it, I, I, think, I think it's not, he got the show because he was immortal, but I think he became immortal because he got the show. I mean, he started the process when he started biting the heads off of those bats. Yeah, poor bats. I mean, I don't think they deserve that. I don't... The last living memory of anything should not be the inside of of a rock star's mouth. Actually, no one should ever have to experience the inside of a rock star's mouth. Except when they go to hell. (laughs) Oh, is that... Is that like level two of hell as you just experience the inside of a rock star's mouth? Well, we all know that rock stars are inherently sinful creatures. Of course, it's written as such in the Bible. Every time a rock star dies, they go to hell, and the hell for rock stars is to live within the mouth of the most popular rock star when they died. Oh, okay. Which is why rock music is getting better and better, because when Adam Levine or whatever the fuck sings, he has hundreds of rock stars living in his mouth. And they're all screaming to try to make it better. Yeah, they're, they're all screaming to get out. But he's just saying moves like Jagger. Oh my gosh. Moves like Jagger. The the icing on that, that whole conspiracy cake is that uh the uh hold on. The the re release of their rare concert movie, The Rolling Stones, it went platinum in only two countries. Mm-hmm. The United States Of course. And France. What? France is where Vivendi is located. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we we just see the American perspective of the music, but if you look at uh 
If you look in France, there was like a giant flower mural of Mick Jagger in the Champ de Mar and the Champs Elysees and all these other Champ places. Yeah, the the Champ de Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, the the Arc de Triomphe. <laughs> yep. Boy, I know a lot about cultures. Hey, look, we all we all went to Epcot. I didn't. Oh well, you would have learned about the uh, the the Shrarouve. Oh, the Shrarouve. Yeah, the uh, the Champ de de Louvre, the Shrarouve. That's that's Henry. I know you're fucking with me because that's just the noise dogs make when they're confused. In France, yeah, you know how French dogs bark. Yeah, they go Shrarouve. <laughs> no, that's the sound they make when they're confused. They go Shrarouve. Oh, well then what sound do they make when they bark in France? (coughs) (coughs) They cough? Yeah, they cough instead of barking because they smoke those damn cigarettes. Oh, that's right, because all French things smoke cigarettes. They do. Hail France. Hail Hail France? Hail the Estates General. Uh, We blew through that conspiracy segment way faster than I thought we would. Hey, it's a short conspiracy, but it's a good one. Yeah, I I just found it really interesting. Like, if you look at the Google Trends, it really, it's really, like, mapped one-to-one. I think we're going to have to put a a link to that in the podcast description. I'll be sure to get you that. Never mind, I'm right in the description. I'll be sure to include that link. Boom. Anyway. Anyway. We've been flying through our content this episode. Why don't we slow down a little bit? We really have been flying through our content. Let's take it slow and talk about what I want to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sean, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I watched a movie. Is this going to be a what did you watch? If you have content prepared, it sure as huck can be. I've got content prepared. I can talk about I can talk about something I watched. Then let's do it. Let's get it rolling. Let's roll up the old what did you watch engine. Well, we gotta do the intro. Oh, you're right. What here we go. Sorry. I jumped again. Pa- I jumped again. Okay, I'll get started. Okay. What did you watch? What did you watch? What did you did- watch with Henry and John? Boom 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 boom. Henry, what is this video on the internet? Is this video on the internet? No, there's this video on the internet. This isn't a what did you watch, but there's this video on the internet. I don't even know if it's real. (laughs) If it's real. What is happening? Every time I think about it, it makes me laugh a lot. Um, You know where in the world is Carmen Sandiego, the show? Yes, the (laughs) the old cartoon? There's there's a video where just this... (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm going to laugh too much. He goes, where in the world is San Diego? <laughs> That's dumb, John. It's really funny to me. That's the dumbest thing. It's... Why are you talking about this right now? I'll cut it out. You don't have to. You're right. We, we can, everything, everything is admissible. Here's what I watched. Oh, what did you watch, John? I watched a documentary. A documentary? Is that one of those non-fiction pictures? Yeah, it's where people take non-fiction and they film it. Oh, that sounds like just real life, but 
through the lens of a camera. Whereas in fiction, they take fiction and they film it. <laughs> they film fiction. Uh, yeah, they film stories, but this is a real story. Oh, what kind of real story is it? Uh, it's called Icarus. Oh, is this about flying too close to the sun? Metaphorically. Oh, is this about making your own wings and flying too close to the sun? It is a Netflix original documentary by Brian Fogel. Does Brian Fogel make wings out of cardboard and try to fly too close to the sun? Oh boy, this is a great goof. I love it. I love Why it. You, call me out of... you do goofs I all know, the time, I know, John. I know. And they get so close to the sun. God damn it. <laughs> Tell me what it's about, John. So Brian Fogel... Uh, he flew too close to the sun one day. <laughs> I knew it. And uh, really, it is. Yeah, that's that's pretty okay. So essentially, what uh, what Icarus started out as is Brian Fogel is this amateur cyclist and a bicyclist. Yeah, a bicyclist. <laughs> okay, a bicyclist. And he's uh, he's competing in this thing called the Haute Route in France, which is a a seven day, seven stage, grueling bike race okay wow that sounds really uh really tough and he's he's a very talented amateur cyclist and essentially what he's setting out to do is every he he always notices that they're always like a top 10 performing people in every bike race and it it led him to think about lance armstrong and blood doping and just the use of performance enhancing drugs in the sport of cycling all right so he set out to make this documentary essentially being a super size me of performance enhancing drugs for competitive sports wait so he was going to intentionally and willingly blood dope to try to get into the best 10 yes and he did he didn't get into the best 10 but he did start blood doping and working with physicians and injecting like human growth hormone and did the people running the the race know about this? Well, that's where it gets kind of interesting as far as the documentary goes. And I, I okay. can't I can't disclose too much, but he was working with. Do you know what WADA is? The World Anti Doping Agency. I I do now. Uh, they they oversee doping and performance enhancing drugs in all levels of sport, and particularly in the Olympics. Okay. And there is a contact that he has at WADA who used to be one of the WADA uh, lab technicians or lab directors in the U.S., and he's trying to work with this retired doctor to get on a doping regimen so that he can uh, show that it's very easy to beat drug tests, how easily these tests can be beaten, how systematic doping is in you know every level of sport, and basically be the super size me of steroids. Okay, so, so it's not really so. Yeah, he's going to be the super size me of steroids. He's going to take them all, but it's not. It's that's not really the focus. The focus is more so on, like I'm setting up a control by working with this yada person. So like it, it's we are documenting the fact that I'm taking drugs, but watch me get away with performing anyway. Yeah, he he wanted to show that one individual with. Uh, a, phys- a physician's supervision could easily blow through any drug test, and he basically wanted to show how easy doping is. But that's not what happened. What happens, John? Uh, that documentary takes a turn because the physician that he's working with who worked at WADA does not want to work with him because he does not the- want the documentary to tarnish his reputation. So the doctor is a compromised agent. 
So the doctor refers him to another doctor. Is this Dr. Kooky Pants? Uh, the kind of the doctor is a super affable, likable guy named Grigory Rodchenkov. Grigory? Yeah, Grigory Rodchenkov. Like Gregory, but with like an eye? Because he's Russian. Because everyone in Russia has eyes? And he, uh, he works with Rusada, which is the Russian version of the, of WADA. Oh, so Russia anti-doping. And he's the, uh, he's the director of of the WADA lab in Russia, and he works at Rusada, I believe. And he oversees the steroid regimen for Brian Fogle, you know, tells him what to eat, the milligrams, how to inject, and he completely coaches him on this steroid regimen. What happens, John? Does he bike a little too close to the sun? Uh, he competes and he gets, like, 23rd place because he got a flat tire, and the documentary would not have been made if they had stopped there. Oh, so they didn't stop there. During the time when he was is talking to Grigory, uh, the Russian uh, Federation's athletes in the Olympics fall under massive scrutiny for blood doping. Because if this one guy, if if, if the, the the Grigory guy can can you know help this one guy blood dope in this documentary. What's stopping him from helping the entire Russian Olympic team? So, do you remember in 2005 when the entire Russian Olympic team, all 300 and something athletes, were banned from participating in the Rio Olympics? No, in Sochi? I don't really remember. 2005 summer was a very hectic time. 2015. 2015, okay. Still don't remember because I don't watch the goddamn Olympics. Yeah, you don't remember because it wasn't huge, but all of them got banned because this film chronicles a massive um, government-sponsored doping program for all of Russia's Olympic athletes. This guy was a massive part of it in the 80s, tried to commit suicide, the movie... Uh, chronicles smuggling him into the United States so he can become a whistleblower against the Russian government for cheating in sports. It becomes this huge multi-level conspiracy that goes all the way up to Vladimir Putin with thousands of uh, positive results for state-sponsored doping. Wow. This, so I- this documentary is serious. So so it's a conspiracy a little bit larger than the one that I posited, you know, in an earlier segment. About 20% bigger. Uh, yeah, I, we can agree to disagree. I would say about, I don't know, maybe 15%. Well, that, that's fair. Let's split the difference at 17.5%. All right, 17.5% more serious than my Mick Jagger experience. Cons- conspiracy. But it is a, it is a really well-made documentary. It has uh, issues... It has storytelling issues, but it's super worth watching, and boy, parts of it are a huge bummer. Well, I mean, it sounds, I mean, the name alone, you know, that Icarus carries with it a certain sort of expectation, you know, getting too close to the sun and falling in tragedy. So I feel like people might be prepared on their way in. And uh, what's uh, what's our rating agent? Our rating agency? No, fuck, shit, shit. What's our rating scale now? Like it, love it, gotta have more of it. 
It's a solid like it. All right, so check it out on Netflix. It's called Icarus. It's a documentary, and it's on Netflix, so anyone can watch it as long as you have access to Netflix. And it's kind of a big investment as far as documentaries go because it's two hours and ten minutes long. But hey, make a drink. Shut up. Two hours and ten... Who's got time for that, John? Maybe if you don't have two hours and ten minutes to watch a documentary, you should take attention steroids. Yeah, but then the Russian government's gonna get banned from my attention span. Good. I won't be able to watch the latter half of the documentary you just talked about. Eh, first half's good, too. Oh, okay. So just watch half of it. John said to. And, uh, yeah, don't worry about that second half, because apparently it's unnecessary. Hey, it's not a gotta have it. (laughs) Gotta have it means watch the whole thing. Like it means do whatever. (laughs) Like it means have it on the background while you're filling out your taxes. Maybe we should add that to the scale. Have it on the background (laughs) while you're filling out your taxes. But, (laughs) yeah, but it doesn't rhyme. Oh, have it on the background while you're filling out your tax ground. What does ground rhyme with? You know what's a problem with Icarus? That you just tried to rhyme ground with something? What? Oh, background tax ground? Is that what you think? Yeah. No, it's gotta rhyme with like it or love it. Oh. Because gotta have it rhymes with love it. I think it's gotta have more of Oh, yeah, perfect. I like it. Anyway... Uh, what's the real problem with Icarus? The real problem with Icarus is the name of the chairman of WADA. Who's the... What, is his name like Blood Dope? Dick Pound. What the... <laughs> that's not a real name. There is a moment... There's a, there's a moment in this very serious documentary where an adult human being talks to another adult human being and says in the most serious voice... Are you afraid of Dick Pound? Jesus Christ. That's that because it's like, are you afraid of the head of the WADA commission? Mm-hmm. Are you afraid of Dick Pound? Well, I've got an ointment for you. Oh, God, no. Not the Dick Pound ointment. Who, who, na- who, who by the name of Richard Pound says, yeah, I'll go by Dick. I think someone with confidence... Or somebody who, who like, they they bullied him with that name and he just kind of, he had to own it to, uh, to turn it against him. You know that if you send letterhead and it says Dick Pound, people know it's a serious matter. <laughs> oh man, Dick Pound got him. It sounds like a James Bond guy, you know, like if there were Bond guys instead of Bond girls. Hey, uh, we have to, uh... We have to send an email to the company. Uh, who should I CC? Oh, CC Dick Pound on that one. All right, very funny. But really, who who do I need to CC on this? No, CC Dick Pound at wada.pound. I mean, that that's... Okay, I get it. You're hilarious. But this is a very serious issue. This is about blood doping. Who do I need to include on this email? No, it is the chairman of a group called WADA, and his name is Dick Pound. I get it. You're doing your five minutes at the comedy club, but come on, this is serious business. I quit. Well, it, you weren't really good to begin with, and your comedy sucks. I'm gonna tender my resignation now, Mr. Hamblast. <laughs> I don't have a response to that. <laughs> 
Anyway. I feel like that's the end of the skit. That's a pretty good skit. Uh, so, John. Yo, yes? I also watched something this past uh, period of time. Nice. It was one of those fiction movies. Oh, where they film a fiction? Yeah, you know, they call them Ficky V's. <laughs> yeah, Ficky V's, short for fiction videos. Only this was a fictionalized version of True Events, John. Oh, so it was a Ficky V True Vent. Yeah, it was a Ficky V True Vent, as we all know they're called. And, uh,. Have you ever heard of a little movie by the name of The Big Sick? No. I mean, yes. <laughs> well, I, I saw it in a theater, John. Oh, that's uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, Kumail Nanjiani and his his wife, Emily Gordon. Known, wrote... known Pakistani comedian Kumail Nanjiani. And known very white American wife, em- Emily Gordon. Why are we qualifying them? Oh, I just think it's important that people know that I know that Kumail Nanjiani is Pakistani. Well, you'll have no problem knowing that if you see The Big Sick. Oh. You see, Kumail Nanjiani plays himself. Oh, really? Yes, he plays himself. He plays a character by the name of Kumail. Mm-hmm. Weird. Uh, I think they never say his last name, but who cares? And uh, it's about him meeting... A girl by the name of Emily Gardner in the film, but it actually covers the story of how he met his real-life wife, Emily Gordon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's one of those comedies that is a bit romantic. Oh, like a romantic com? Yeah, like a romantic com. But imagine if a romantic com was written by like a, like a comedian and his comedian wife. That sounds pretty good. Like... You know, imagine if a romantic comedy or a romantic com actually had jokes in it. Oh, that never happens. They're always like, no jokes, sir. Yeah, you know, a lot of the times the fact that romantic coms are called coms is because they allude to the old definition of comedy, which just basically means ends in a marriage. Which, of course, is, uh, is runs counter to a romantic tragedy that ends in a funeral. Exactly. All rom- actually, I think romantic tragedies are a thing. Really? Oh, no. you mean a rom trag? Yeah, a rom trag. Uh, why wouldn't it be just rom trad? Oh, how do you spell tragedy? T r a g e d y. Okay, so the G comes first. Yeah. Wait, did you spell tragedy right? <laughs> sure. All right. So anyway, uh, it's it's. It op- it's funny. Oh, nice. <laughs> because uh, Kamel is a struggling comedian, a stand-up comic, who also is an Uber driver. Mm-hmm. And Emily Gardner is a psychology PhD candidate. And uh, so there, you see stand-up comedy. You see Kamel do stand-up comedy. And he's actually doing stand-up that he used to do before he got picked up to be a big star, so that's pretty cool. Oh, so he's doing, like, his old stuff. He's doing his old stuff, and uh, th- there, there's a, some castmates in it. Uh, you, you might recognize, while you're watching this film, somebody by the name of Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham! 
And you might recognize uh, an SNL person. Sinnel. I don't know her name because I don't watch SNL, but I I was told she was on SNL. Nice. You might recognize somebody by the name of Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. You might recognize somebody by the name of Ray Romano. Romano. And you might recognize a director who is Michael Showalter. Michael Shoes. Who starred in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. I love Michael Showalter. Yeah, he directed this film. Well, I like him. I don't know if I love him. Well, he directed this film. So anyway, I don't want to give away too much of the plot because a lot of a lot of the charm of this of this movie is in like the plot. All I have to say it was well acted. It was funny. My girlfriend cried multiple times, and the food was delicious. Did she cry because of it being called the Big Sick? It has a big sickness in it. There is a big sickness in it. Oh no. Uh, yeah, it, so it turns out that, uh, well, I don't want to give too much away, but, so, in true romantic comedy fashion, these two get together, but, you know, things don't work out for reasons that you'll find out in the film, and then after they don't work out, this is like the first 20 minutes of the movie, after they don't work out, uh, Camille gets a call from a mutual friend, and it turns out Emily is in the hospital, and he's the only one that goes to check up on her. And next thing he knows, he's being roped in by the doctors to like make big medical decisions. And when, when he's like, what, what, what? I'm not even related. But stop. But it ends up, you know, advancing the plot. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough situation. Being someone who was in a relationship that didn't work out. It's like, do you want to sign a DNR? What's up? Yeah, it's kind of like While You Were Sleeping meets a Mike Birbiglia film. Ooh, I love me some Birbigs. But and I'm only comparing it to that because, like, if you watch Sleepwalk with me, you know that that was like a relationship movie with some stand-up spliced in, mm-hmm. and that it, it's got hints of that in it. But that's not like the stand-up isn't really the main focus. I uh, I've got to check it out because I love me some entirely too earnest funny movies yeah uh i see if i have to give it a rating this is a uh got I, I want more of it oh you want more of it yeah i want them to make the big sick two <laughs> and and uh, you know let, let's continue that journey i don't know i'm okay with that i really do, like it i i i feel like this is a movie to own to put on like a, a rainy sunday afternoon while you're uh, doing your taxes, but in a good way. Yeah, it was uh, it was rainy today, and I could have used a good movie like that. Yeah, because you know you got, you gotta get a jump on that. You know, April fifteenth is just around the corner. I really feel like I feel like that kind of movie, the kind of like between B and C tier budget movie, is really take like making a resurgence. I think you're right, because uh, uh, I don't know if you saw this article, but it came out, I think, this past week. But the most profitable f- profitable film this year so far is the movie Get Out. And Get Out was made on a shoestring budget. And it went on to make, like, a hundred times its budget. They literally paid people in shoestrings. And and now now that they the movie's made money, they get double shoestrings. Man, I wonder if we're ever going to do a What Did You Watch where we didn't like the thing. Um, it, it might happen, but 
I, I'm on a, a real good like trend of watching kind of decent films. Yeah, I'm in a pretty good brain place when it comes to the things I'm consuming. So let's hope this train keeps on rolling. I mean, the only time I really see bad films is when I'm dragged to something. I'm very rarely dragged to things because I'm very fat. And I just, I'm not in a place or like an age anymore where I want to see something bad. I mean, only see good things. That's the classic argument, right? Why watch bad movies if you haven't seen all the good ones? Yeah, it's like if if you have a choice between eating alone and watching a bad movie, just eat alone. If you have the option between eating a delicious onion roll and taking a bite out of a fresh lime, what are you going to take? The uh, lime? Probably the the bad movie. Yeah, if you... Hey, Henry, <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a thing for you. Would All you right. rather watch Tin Cup or eat this whole lime? What's Tin Cup? It's a golf movie. It's bad. I'll watch ten. I don't. Why would I eat a lime? I uh, I eat whole lemons. Well, lemons are different because they're sour, but limes are just kind of like, aren't they? Like they'll stab you. Oh yeah, lemons will. No limes. Limes will give you sunburn. What? If you peel a lot of limes with your hands, the chemicals that are in them, if you expose yourself to the sun, they'll give you a sunburn like ten times faster. Are you serious? Yeah, they'll make your like skin swell up and crack. Limes are bad. Wow, I did not know that about limes. It's a very serious consideration for bartenders who have like stands and booths outside that they use lime juice and they don't juice fresh limes with their hands because their hands will get like horribly burned in the sun. Huh. I I, I guess you learn something new every day. PSA: Don't be liming. Don't lime while you bar time. Liming is a sin. <laughs> Liming's a sin. Says that right next to the other thing in the Bible. Oh, you mean the part in the Bible where it tells you that if you want to get in contact with us on this podcast, you can email zero credits is a podcast at gmail dot com. Yes, exactly that part of the Bible. And uh you know more Bible than I do. Uh what is uh Deuteronomy fifty two ten? Oh, uh, 5210, that says, uh, if you want to send a shorter message to us, you can get to us and contact us at twitter.com at zcpcwhj. Which stands for, Henry? It stands for Zooteromedy Cooteromedy <laughs> Pooteromedy Uh-huh. And then Cooteromedy again. Cooteromedy. Wait, why is it PC? podcast oh wooteronomy hooteronomy <laughs> shooteronomy yes cooteronomy and juderonomy other two books of the bible you know it's taken us damn near 70 episodes for you to ask why i separated podcast into pod and cast but you know well i i don't i guess i didn't think about it why zcpc WHJ, you didn't even make the Twitter, didn't I make the Twitter? Yeah, it rolls better. Anyway. It does roll better. Anyway. Let's talk about uh, Bible stuff. Ask me a Bible verse. I believe you know the next passage, John. Uh, What is it? John 129? Oh, John 129. We also have a Facebook page. Just search for Zero Creds Podcast in the search bar, and it's probably the first result. But I know that Facebook... Its algorithms are weird, but you'll find it. 
Yeah, it's the first result for us, but that's because we we search for it so much. Every day. Yep. And uh, you can also, according to this passage right here, watch us play video games on Twitch at twitch.tv slash zero credits. And then the Book of Revelations says that if you should, you should like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends because it's the, it's the best way to spread the podcast. Yep, and just, just you know, why don't you randomly con- uh, include our URL at the end of your Facebook messages? Yeah, that's really the best way to do it. Just randomly, without explanation, and don't explain it when people ask, what is this link? Yeah, and then if people ask what this link is, say, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, upon his horns ten crowns, upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And they'll they'll be sure to understand what you're saying, so that's great. I think they'll get it, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to get out of any situation. Pretty much. Yeah. And if you if you let your eyes roll back while you do it, that's even better. I think that it really it really brings the point home. I agree. And from everyone here at the Zero Credit Studios, all I have to say is good night. Good night everybody. Good night. I hope you enjoy this episode. We'll be back next week. Bye. Be good. Be good.